Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 107. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Well, we don't devote a sermon to every national holiday, but here's a holiday that happens to overlap with a key Christian virtue, Thanksgiving. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving is a, a basic disposition and a daily habit of the Christian life. But seeing gratitude as a virtue is not unique to Christianity. Even the atheist philosopher David Hume in a treatise of human nature wrote, of all the crimes that human creatures are capable of committing, the most horrid and unnatural is ingratitude. This is acknowledged by all mankind, philosopher, philosophers as well as the people. And there's a significant popular movement in our culture of cultivating thanksgiving and inner peace and calm as techniques of self-improvement. Uh, positive psychology puts up thanksgiving as uh, an exercise that can increase happiness, satisfaction, uh, physical health. You will have lower uh, degrees of cellular inflammation. You will have greater resilience if you are thankful uh, who wouldn't want to be thankful? It's good for you. But what makes Thanksgiving distinctly Christian is when we're talking in God's direction. Uh, this is the defining mark of Christian Thanksgiving. Regardless of what we're giving thanks for, we're always giving thanks to God. So Thanksgiving is actually a bullet point underneath prayer. Thanksgiving is, is one mode in which Christians talk to God. So Thanksgiving should form a regular part of our prayer lives, which then assumes that we have a regular and active prayer life before God, which I don't assume all of us are doing well at. In fact, Dallas Willard said that the open secret of many Bible-believing churches is that a vanishingly small percentage of people who are talking about Bible reading and prayer are actually doing it. But why is that? You know, why aren't we any good at giving thanks to God or praying more generally? It's probably for about the same reasons in both cases. You know, we may talk about being busy or not having good role models and, or things like that. And, and those, um, those may be legitimate partial explanations. Uh, but in both cases, the, the root of prayerlessness and the root of thanklessness is pride. The, the kind of pride that says, that thinks, um, I, I deserve this, I'm worthy of this. Or that presumptuous kind of pride that doesn't even recognize those points at which gratitude to God is appropriate. Thanksgiving, on the other hand, is uh, the natural response of a heart that recognizes I am unworthy, I am undeserving. And so even the tiniest modicum of blessing that comes to me from God is more than I should have. And so then how do I respond to that realization? Well, thank you. Thank you, God. 
It's talking to God about the good things that he has done for us. This is Christian Thanksgiving. William Cooper said, our continual praying shows that we are always beggars, and our continual thanksgiving shows us always debtors. Well, now that we know what Christian Thanksgiving is, we need to turn to what it is that we are to give thanks for. And as we look at the New Testament, there are three prominent reasons for giving thanks. So Thanksgiving always goes in one direction, to God, uh, but there are many reasons for giving thanks, and three of those reasons that we see over and over again in the New Testament are thanksgiving for circumstances, thanksgiving for people, and thanksgiving for the gospel. Thanksgiving for circumstances, people, and the gospel. So first of all, thanksgiving for circumstances. Um, in the gospels, thanksgiving is usually in the form of a verb, to give thanks, and it's usually who that's doing it? Jesus. Um, and he's usually giving thanks for what? Food. Um, so you might think of um, the feeding of the 5,000. He gives thanks, breaks the bread, distributes it. Um, the Lord's Supper, the, the last meal that he has with his disciples uh, before his death, he gives thanks and then he breaks the bread and pours the wine and they eat and drink. The verb is actually eucharisteo, from where we get the, the word eucharist for the Lord's Supper. And so the Christian views daily provision, uh, food, clothing, shelter, uh, as provision that ultimately comes from God. And we return thanks to him for it, following the example of Jesus himself. This is why we pray before meals. We give thanks to God for his provision for us. In fact, uh, Paul uh, says to Timothy, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. Uh, God is the provider of these things. They are good things because he's created them. Everything created by God is good. And so thanksgiving, things should be received with thanksgiving and that thanksgiving should be returned to the one who created these things, to God. Now, at this point, a word of caution may be in order. Uh, many times, uh, we just fail to give thanks. We don't give thanks to God for the things that he's provided for us. You may be happy to have your house, but you don't actually give thanks to God for it. But other times, when we do actually pause to reflect on what God has given us and to return thanks to him for it, our thanksgiving doesn't go far beyond car, clothing, house, and food. You know, basically whatever material things God has given to us. That's about as far as we go in giving thanks. So that our, our thanksgiving seems to be tied rather tightly to our own material prosperity and comfort. And since, as someone noted, what, what we most frequently give thanks for betrays what we most highly value, you know, therefore, if, if a large percentage of our thanksgiving is tied to our material prosperity, it may be because we overvalue material prosperity. So we should certainly give thanks for provision, but if we go no further than that, it may be telling. But giving thanks for the circumstance of God's provision is only the beginning. It's not just in provision, but also in the circumstance of privation as well. Uh, when things that we wish we had are withheld from us. So in a number of places, Paul speaks of the importance of always giving thanks, regardless of the circumstance, always giving thanks. So in Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So in the midst of those things that might cause anxiety, Paul says, uh, what's the right response? It's uh, prayer and supplication, letting your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And notice then how giving thanks brings about peace. He says you do this in the midst of things that might cause anxiety or turmoil. Uh, Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks changes the giver of thanks. You move from anxiety uh, to peace, as, as a result of giving thanks to God and bringing our requests to him. And again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you ever wondered what God's will for your life is? Uh, what would God have you do in regards to your marriage, your singleness, or some uh, vocational decision? Give thanks. That's God's will for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's funny, sometimes we rack our brains over what God might want from us in this situation or that situation as if it's the most difficult decision in the world. And if someone brought to you some advice and said, why don't you just begin by giving thanks? You might call that advice simplistic or impractical. You're like, I need some actual help here. But God's will for us in all circumstances is to give thanks. It's folly uh, to pretend that we are seeking God's will for our life in the ambiguous things, the things that are unclear or unrevealed, when we're not even willing to do his will that he has clearly revealed for us, uh, to give thanks in all circumstances. So then we must prepare ourselves to give thanks, not only when it's our natural, you know, kind of spontaneous response to good things, but also when it seems counterintuitive. You know, of course, part of the background to Thanksgiving as a holiday is the pilgrims, uh, the separatists who held the Puritan Calvinist theology uh, in England, then in Holland, who eventually came to the New World, landed in what is now Plymouth, Massachusetts, Uh, in mid-November 1620, basically unprepared for uh, a severe winter, far more severe than what they were accustomed to back in their home in England. They endured a bitter winter that began almost immediately upon their arrival, and it decimated them. 102 pilgrims made that journey on the Mayflower. Um, 50 remained after the winter. Over half of them died. 14 out of the 18 wives who had sailed died. Widows and orphans abounded. So in the autumn of 1621 then, as they feasted and gave thanks, those wounds were still fresh. No doubt their celebration was leavened with a fair bit of heartache from all that they had experienced. And yet they gave thanks still for the provision that they had. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No one would choose the difficult path. You know, there are certainly things that may be a part of your life that you wish weren't part of your story. And yet God's will remains clear for us. Give thanks. For worshiping God is not only doing what God pleases, but also being pleased with what God does. 
And so if you find yourself in these seasons, his will is clear, give thanks. And if you find yourself in a season of relative calm and peace and happiness, consider the things that could be your crosses and are not, the things that have been spared to you, and give thanks for those things. And at the same time, think of those who are suffering those very things, those in this room or those you know who may be suffering, and and pray for them. So we give thanks in all circumstances. And then as we survey thanksgiving in the New Testament, we find another reason for giving thanks, especially in the prayers of Paul. uh, We see thanksgiving for people. Thanksgiving for people. So occasionally in Paul's writing, he gives thanks to someone. Uh, You might remember in Romans 16, verse 4, which Paul, uh, Tom preached from a few weeks ago, Paul gives thanks for Prisca and Aquila. He says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I have thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. But much more typically, uh, Paul is not giving thanks to someone, but rather he's giving thanks for someone to God. Again, what makes Thanksgiving distinctly Christian is that it is one mode of prayer. It's speaking to God in thanks. So to the Romans, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And to the church in Ephesus, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. To the Colossians, Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. To the Thessalonians, Paul says, we give thanks to God always for you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you again. And then in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Three quick observations about these verses where Paul gives thanks to God uh, for these believers in these various places. Uh, First, he observes specific patterns in their lives. As you read through these, you see him observing their growth in one way or another. He says, your love for each other is increasing, you're persevering through faith and trials, you're steadfast in hope. Uh, You're laboring for the gospel with a loving heart. So he takes time to notice these growth patterns in their lives. He observes these patterns. And then second, he gives thanks to God for these things. Uh, So where, where there's good forward movement in our lives, that's always God's spirit working out uh, his will through us. So it's right when we see that happening in someone else's life for us to give thanks to God that he is at work uh, in them. So he sees these patterns, he gives thanks to God, and then third, Paul articulates these patterns to these believers as an encouragement to them. He sees what's going on, he thanks God, and then he encourages them with what he sees. Now, one of the great challenges for us in uh, doing this kind of thing, giving thanks for others, is that it requires that we care about others. And if we're honest, 
um, we can be just so self-centered at times that it's hard for us to care about other people. Uh, when it comes to caring for things that don't directly concern us, it's difficult. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, a habit we have to develop, a, a, a spiritual discipline we have to work at. Um, you may have noticed that we didn't do a turkey bowl this year uh, like we have in years past. Maybe part of the reason for that is to avoid injuries for the 40 and over crowd uh, playing in the turkey bowl. Uh, because you may know that for many guys, 40 and over, um, that's like their one physical activity each year. And uh, when that's the case, when that's the case, you know, you wake up the next morning very sore, uh, maybe with some pulled muscles. And uh, it's because you don't use those muscles. You may not have even remembered they were there until you use them. Thanksgiving for other people is, is one of those habits that we may, um, we may not be good at using. We've perhaps not exercised in a while, and we have to work at. But how much would our churches be transformed if each of us made it a practice to thank God for others regularly and then go to them and tell them what it is that we are thanking God for in them? Not constant flattery, but really thoughtful uh, observation and thanksgiving to God, which is then verbalized to others. You know, you can actually shape another person's understanding of the work that God is doing in them by telling them about it. You may see that work more clearly than they do. And when you take the time um, to notice that work and then go further to talk to God in thanksgiving about that and then go even a step further to talk to them about it and tell them, you may make that person a better person by giving thanks to God for them and telling them about it. You may further the very work that God is doing in them by telling them about it. At the same time, you may make yourself a godlier person. For example, it may be helpful to think about someone that you really struggle with, someone that maybe, honestly, you just don't like. If you're married, sadly, uh, that may be your spouse. How much of our unhappiness, if we're honest, revolves around the people that are closest to us, our, our family, our close friends, spouse, children, parents? Now, these are people for whom we should be giving thanks to God. And we may find, actually, that thanksgiving is a very suitable remedy, a, a, an antidote to the sickness of discontentment in family relationships. High school students, give thanks to God for the parents that he's given you. Give thanks for their wisdom, even where you may feel like you and your great wisdom uh, know better than they do. Uh, give thanks to God for them. And then go to them and thank them for putting up with you and caring for you. You know, in King Lear, Shakespeare gives us the line, how sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child. Uh, don't be a thankless child. So starting with our family relationships, but then moving outward and expanding circles, we should be cultivating thanksgiving to God for other people. So Christians give thanks to God in all circumstances. Christians give thanks for other people. And then finally, and above all, the third reason for giving thanks that we see as we survey the New Testament teaching on thanksgiving is giving thanks to God for the gospel for the gospel. You know, if someone holds the door for you, it would be appropriate for you to say thank you. But if someone really gives you a, a thoughtful gift, you might pause and sit down and write a handwritten thank you note. 
but if someone gave their life for you, if someone risked their life for you, if someone rescued you, uh, the debt of gratitude that you owe would be immense. This is what God has done for us. You remember the story of the 10 lepers in Luke 17? Uh, men with a terrible and terminal disease, and Jesus heals them. He rescues them. But then only one returns praising God and giving thanks to Jesus. And Jesus says, did I not heal 10? Where are the other nine? You know, too often we are like the other nine. We get our good things and go on our way and we fail to give thanks. And what God has done for us in Christ exceeds even what Jesus did for those lepers. They received temporary healing, but the Christian has received eternal healing. So yes, they went away ungrateful, but our debt of gratitude is even greater. So if we are unthankful, the offense to God is even greater. And Jesus looks at his church and says, did I not heal you? Where are the other nine? So then we must learn to give thanks above all for the gospel. Paul writes to the Colossians. Uh, he tells them how he's praying for them, what it is that he wants God to do for them and in them. Listen to how he prays for them. This is Colossians 1. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is praying for them that they would be strengthened with all power for endurance and patience with joy, but he also prays that they would be giving thanks to the Father. He's praying for them that they would be good at thanksgiving to the Father. And there are three things that he wants them to be giving thanks to the Father for, that they have been qualified, delivered, and transferred. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. God's been making promises ever since the beginning. Uh, the Bible tells the story of a perfect creation ruined by Adam and Eve uh, and their rejection of God. But God, in his great kindness, immediately, even as he enacts consequences for their rebellion, immediately also enacts promises that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then he makes a promise to Abraham that includes three pieces, that, he, that this seed of the woman would come through Abraham, and that Abraham would have a land, and that he would receive the blessing of God. Where there was cursing, there will be blessing. And Paul says, you you have been qualified to share in the inheritance. These promises come to us through Christ. Paul is praying that they would give thanks for this very, uh, for this very inheritance. And beyond this, God has promised that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. You don't like your life, you don't like your disease, God will give you a new body. You'll have a whole new world that will be yours. And best of all, the greatest inheritance, which God has always promised his people. In Revelation 21, he says he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. What an inheritance. You may feel bad that you didn't get an inheritance from your parents or that you don't have an inheritance to give to your children, but you have Christ. Give them Christ. You know, there is a day coming. This, this is not a fairy tale. There is a, there is a day coming when Jesus is coming back on a white horse, 
Do you remember what he says at the end of Revelation? Behold, I am coming soon, and I'm bringing my recompense with me. The evil will be judged, and my blessed ones will receive the inheritance that is coming to them. This is the inheritance that awaits us, for which we have, apart from all rationality, been qualified by God and his great kindness to us. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And then second, he prays that they would be giving thanks that they have been delivered from the domain of darkness. They have been delivered from the domain, the kingdom of darkness, the place where darkness rules. It's like the title of a horror movie. But in real life, the place where darkness rules is this earth. It's where we live, it's all around us. It's in humanity's rejection of God. Yes, there are natural disasters and diseases, but most suffering in the world comes from what people do to other people and what we do to ourselves. It's the tyranny of the devil who dupes us daily to do his will. And for those who begin following Christ, God delivers them from the tyranny of the devil. You are no longer enslaved to that master. Do you remember what Paul says in Romans 6? We know this, that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we who have died with Christ are no longer enslaved to sin. He tells them, so consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans 6, freed from that slave master, no longer under that dominion. And then back here in Colossians 1, Paul says, he prays for them that they would be giving thanks to the Father for that very reality, that you are no longer under the dominion of darkness. And so this is, again, something that we can wake up in the morning and say thank you to God for. Thank you that I'm no longer under the tyranny of the devil, no longer ruled by that master. Darkness is neither our home nor our future, and so we wake up each day and say, thank you, God. And then third, uh, Paul prays that uh, they and we who are in Christ would be giving thanks that we have been transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the positive movement, not only delivered from that domain, but brought into a new kingdom, transferred into this new kingdom, and in it, finding a new status, redeemed, forgiven. Again, this is, this is something that we should be giving thanks for. You know, We wake up every morning free from condemnation. There was a time um, uh, uh, one day... Uh, one of our girls was having some disobedience issues, and I would, I'm not proud about how I responded to those things. I was ashamed about that, and I was telling Stacy about this, and she felt the same thing, ashamed of those things. And we, we realized that um, sin, sin remains present with us, though it's not our um, master. We no longer are enslaved to it, but it's still present with us. And so we still have this, this guilt that comes about from it uh, appropriately. But there is no condemnation. So how do you deal with that guilt? You know, we looked at each other and said, this is why we need the gospel. 
So the very gospel that we're teaching to our children is the gospel that we need ourselves and had to remind ourselves of at that point, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed, forgiven. So we have been delivered out of that domain and brought into a new one that we have so much to give thanks for uh, in this deliverance. It's our greatest need. Sin was our greatest problem. Uh, It's a source of all our misery. And we have been delivered from it. D.A. Carson points out that if God had perceived our greatest need was economic, he would have sent us an economist. If he had perceived our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would, would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and he sent us a savior. God has met our greatest need with Jesus Christ. What kindness. No wonder Paul prays that they would be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified them to share in the inheritance and delivered them from the domain of darkness and transferred them into the kingdom of his son, a kingdom of light and life, redemption and forgiveness. Um, so what, what has this sermon been about? Uh, really simple, saying thank you to God, um, giving thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That thanks goes in one direction to God for three reasons, circumstances, people, and the gospel. I know the simplicity of that may feel insulting. We're teaching our three-year-old to say thank you, and that is basically what I'm saying to you. And yet, um, this is the core, this, this is the essence of being a Christian, saying thank you to God, recognizing first that I was in a miserable condition. Death was my destiny. I had a great need. Second, that God in Christ has uh, delivered, has brought, uh, I may be qualified, delivered, transferred. And third, that I am to be thankful to God for such deliverance. Those three steps I was miserable, I may be delivered, I ought to be thankful. That is the essence of being a Christian. Why do we forget these things? You know, why do we forget these basics? Um, you may know that Ronnie Winterton, one of the pastoral interns here, is into uh, jujitsu. And he pointed out that one of the most respected jujitsu coaches in the world said, that um, in the world of jiu-jitsu, elite performance, what is described as elite performance, is mostly just the fundamentals taken to the limits of their vast potential. The same thing is true with being a Christian. We never move past the fundamentals. You know, the profound and affecting truths of Christianity for the mature 50-year-old Christian are the exact same things they learned in third grade. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for your sins. Uh, You can have eternal life with God in his presence, enjoying him forever, and this is actually what you were made for. God will bring you into this reality as you walk by faith in Jesus Christ. We learned all that in third grade, and we forget daily to give thanks for it. So this, this is the core of being a Christian. It's being deeply humbled before God and grateful that the deliverance we needed, he provided for us in Jesus Christ. So let's pause and do that now. Uh, just quietly where you're at there, 
give thanks. Think, think of something, some circumstance in your life that you can give thanks for, some person uh, in your life that you can give thanks for, and then above all, give thanks for the good news of deliverance through Jesus Christ, and then I'll close us in prayer in just a moment.